and he's in the he's in the business of saving people, amen. And so it's so just it's incredibly humbling and couldn't be more excited. I'm still just walking on clouds right now. It's incredible. Um, I just want to say again, just thank you guys for participating, for inviting, for the team, for Beth DePietro and her family for being such a critical core to making this thing happen. The Dessert Theater was just an incredible opportunity and just such a wonderful time. Um, one more thing I want to share is that as we uh, gear up for uh, Christmas Eve, three opportunities uh, to gather um, here. Three. 5 and 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve. They're all three identical candlelight services, and it's just going to be a special time as we celebrate this true gift of Jesus Christ. And so 3, 5, and 7 Christmas Eve, we'd love for you to join us, invite someone to join you and sit with you um, on Christmas Eve, but it's going to be a special time. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. I'm also going to invite Pastor Al to come up and, and share, about, uh, share about our missionaries in the Philippines. And so welcome, Pastor Al. Yeah, we've got the privilege here at Crossroads to have the birthday gift to Jesus, and it's been going on for a long time, and I sort of know and you think it's going to continue to go, but two of the projects on that list are both with the Philippines, and both are near and dear to my heart. I served with one of them uh, for a little over nine years, and that was International Baptist Theological College, and James Litika and his wife, this is a picture of some of the students, Currently, they have 40 students uh, in the Bible College. And then James Litika, his dad started the ministry, and he's now leading uh, the ministry in the Philippines. And that's a picture of his wife with him. Uh, just doing a great job over there. Uh, some of, one of the things that has happened, they've started an orphan care uh, ministry within, actually, the church. And James Lee and his wife, they have actually six of their own children. They have one grandson, and I believe at this time they've adopted into their family. It's eight or ten uh, boys uh, on top of that. And it just works within the, the culture there. But the big thing is three of those boys are now in the Bible College. It started last year, and uh, some, some great things are taking place. Also, the ministry decided this past year that any student, male or female, desiring to go to the college from a rural area, they're considered provinces from a rural area, it will now be tuition free. And they've come to that place where they're able to do that. They want to do that because what's taken place in the Philippines, um, within the cities, there's a lot of churches. But out in the outskirts, where there's fewer people, you have lesser churches. So the gospel, there's still that opportunity for the gospel to be reached into various parts of the Philippines. So they're doing that now. And I had asked James Lee, I said, is there anything you'd like me to tell Crossroads from you? And he said this. He said, just tell them, thank you so much for your eternal investment in the ministry here. It's changing students' lives. Churches are continuing to be planted. And the gospel is going. So we want to thank you and uh, for that. The second ministry is Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage in the Philippines. And that's a picture of some of the students. That's also near and dear to my heart because without them, I can never do this. I won't have my wife. Isn't that awesome? And uh, thank you. Give, break, break the tone for me here, but 
Belinda went, uh, was taken into that orphanage as a baby. No name, no birthday. And uh, they gave her name. They gave her a birthday. And then I got her. Uh, so that's a good thing. But Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage, they currently have 100 children within the orphanage. And then their outreach program. Their outreach program means students get free education. They're helped with foods. They're helped with different personal items. And they're, they're taken care of. The only thing is they're living in a home. Uh, it's just within the home they're not able to care for them. And so it's, it's amazing things that are happening there. And uh, then we have a picture of a young man. That is Jafaith Omben. And uh, Jafaith, the story with him, he grew up at the orphanage. So he was there for about 18 years. And several years ago, I got a message from the orphanage. And they said, this young boy, Jafaith, was in a motorcycle accident. He was not driving. He wasn't riding on the back. He's in a sidecar. It's a form of transportation. And he had a broken leg. And so the question for them was this. Just pray for Jafaith that uh, the doctor will make a decision of whether to just let the leg, like, it was kind of crooked and stuff. But the doctor said, listen, I won't charge you if you just leave it the way it is. And uh, that makes a whole lot of sense, right? Why would they charge him? Uh, But he said he had sort of put just, like, something around it to keep it in place and it would be like it was. Well, we knew we had money for the birthday gift to Jesus for them. And I said, listen, can you just have the doctor fix it? And it wasn't any astronomical fee. They just didn't have the means for it. But Jafaith just graduated last year from Bible college. He started a church this past year. And uh, you see the the bigger picture, right? Uh, You were being able to help kids in ways that are beyond us. Jesus said, even if you give someone a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it unto me. And that's why we do the birthday gift to Jesus. It's for Jesus. We get to be a part of God's work all around the world without even going there. But in a way, we do go there because our hearts are there, right? Right now, we're a little over $17,000 for the birthday gift to Jesus. We can thank God for that. Let's continue to be a part. If you're here today and you want to give to the birthday gift to Jesus, we ask that you designate it so it will go to that proper fund. If you're here today at Crossroads and... Maybe this is one of your first times or so. We ask that you let the plate to pass by you. This is for uh, our Crossroads family. They are a regular part of God's gracious giving. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for who you are. And, uh, God, we're just trusting that you'll do great and mighty things in and through our lives and in and through Crossroads. Thank you for the privilege to give. And thank you, Lord, for your awesome power to provide. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, you came for the world. 
glad that you're here today. I want to just thank everyone for the dessert. Theater. I'll tell you, 
it was a, a great weekend, and just to see everybody serving and bringing your friends and family. When you think of all those people that have come to know Jesus this weekend, can we just thank God for that? Huh? We just we really worship Him and praise Him. I know many of our people are getting some much-needed sleep today. They were here all day yesterday. They got here at 11 o'clock, and they left about 10 o'clock last night. So it was an incredible, incredible day. So I'm just so proud of our church family. We're in our series right now, The Way in the Manger, and uh, I just want, want to get you thinking about, as we're moving towards Christmas, and we're thinking about the way, because it's not a way in the manger, it's the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and, and he is the only way to God. And so, today we're going to look at the way, and we're going to look at the way that he came in the manger. Like, why did he come in the way that he did? And as you get close to Christmas, you're starting to think about your gifts, right? You're starting to think about what you're going to buy, uh, you know, buy that special someone in your life, your husband, your wife, your kids. You're, you're, you're looking at all these gifts. And I read a statistic that said that one-third of all gifts are returned. Isn't that interesting? One-third of all gifts. Has anybody ever returned a gift? Raise your hand if you returned a gift. Okay? About 98% of you. That's good. Uh, one-third of all gifts are returned. How many, and then this is interesting, one-third of all gifts are surprises. Like out of the gifts that you receive, one-third are surprises. So it seems to me that one-third of the gifts that are surprise, you know, they're surprises, those are the ones that you return. Have you ever noticed that, you know? Like your, your mom asks you, what do you want for Christmas, and you don't tell her anything. So then she gets you, you know, this blue light special or something. I don't know. You know, She just gets you the salmon in your stocking or something, you know, and you're just so happy to have that. And, uh, and, and then you end up returning this, right? So I want, I, I want you to think with me about a gift that you've returned, and I want you to share that with the person next to you. Like lean over, a gift you return, but just not one of their gifts that you returned, okay? So go ahead, take a minute. What gift have you returned? Seems to me as though there's a lot of return gifts out there, right? I think we can keep going and going and going. So this means that you have to tell your wife that you want a pair of nose hair clippers. That way you don't return them, right? You have to tell them the gifts that you want. And so, you know, as you're looking for those gifts, everybody, you know, if I get the Chia Pet, you're going to return the Chia Pet, right? So, you know, can you imagine, I, I was thinking about just getting you all a Christmas gift, the Chia Pet, Pastor Ken. Wouldn't that be cool, you know? I'd finally get hair. You know, I'd finally have hair, you know? But uh, those would be the gifts that you would return. And uh, the gifts that, uh, that you mentioned that you returned were more than likely surprised. They weren't on your list. They were like... Yeah, you know, they, they got me this tie, it just, I'd never wear it, or I, or they got me this, this jacket, or, or, you know, that's just not my style, or whatever, and so, so those are the things that we end up returning sometimes, and, you know, Christmas is a, a fun time, you know, sometimes husbands and wives try this thing, I see the newlyweds, you know, their first Christmas and all that, and they're buying the gifts, and sometimes you see a guy, he just, uh, he just makes a mistake, and, you know, buys his wife a drill. It's like, you know, that's just not what she's thinking that she wants to keep for Christmas this year, right? So, um, or a mood ring. Could you imagine that, buying your wife a mood ring, you know? It's called a warning light, you know? So it's just that you just, you, you have to be careful. Those are the things that you get to return, right? 
So here's what happens. When we have a surprise, okay, when we get surprised, many times uh, the surprise, we're, we're not into the surprise. Although I love the element of surprise personally. I enjoy surprise, but that surprise gift, you're like, ah. But I want you to think about Christmas because Christmas was really not a surprise, but the way he came was a surprise. So Jesus had been long promised. Since the beginning of time, there was a promise. Like right after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we talked about this last week, that he, that he gave the promise that he would redeem mankind, and it would be through the offspring of the woman. And so that the, all the Jewish people knew that one day the Messiah would come. But at this point, when we get to Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, it's been 400 years of silence. They haven't even had any more scripture that's been handed out. And they just think that everything's done, like all hope is gone. And then all of a sudden God surprises them. And so the way he did it was not necessarily the most attention-getting way. It's not the way. The scripture says that he came into his own, his own received him not. Why? Why didn't they want him? Because they didn't see it. They were surprised. They were surprised by the way that he came. They were caught off guard. And so this morning, I want, to, I want us to look at the, at the story of Christmas. And as we are on this, the way to the manger, as we are looking, I want you to think of how God left heaven and made his way to the manger and how that he is the way. And let's look from Mary's perspective this morning. Because I'd like for you to think with me about Mary. You know, Mary, Mary was just a human. She was a, a young girl, a teenage girl. She was caught off guard by all this. This wasn't like something she knew was going to happen. For us, it's so, you know, we have this thing so surreal and it's so beautiful. But for Mary, this was, this was life and she was living it. I'm going to show you just a video clip this morning. This is of Mary and, and this is just a dramatization. She's talking to a, a young shepherd boy that walks in. Jesus has been born. He's lying in the, in the hay and, and, uh, and she has this talk. And one of the things that I want you to remember about Mary is that we keep seeing this verse that she pondered all these things in her heart. And so the, the, these were sweet memories, like this baby's born. And I remember when our kids were born, I look over at my wife, and she's holding the, holding the baby, and, and it's just like she's got this glow on her. Well, I don't know about a glow, but she's there. And she's just so happy, right? She's just so happy. Because reality is it's hard work raising a baby. And she's so happy. And I just look over and, you, and, and I remember that. And I remember, I know that my wife has pondered all those things in her heart, as the scripture says Mary did for Jesus. And so she remembers giving birth. She remembers wrapping the baby in that blanket. And she has all these memories. And that is what I want to, I want to take us into the reality of what happened. Watch this video. It's okay. You can come in. He won't bite. He's just a small baby. A little shy? <laughs> well, that's okay. I am too. Your friends left in such a rush to go tell the world. I think that's how we put it. And what a thing to tell. Did you know an angel visited me too? It's true. And he said that my boy 
would be great. The Son of God. He said that he would be the king of angels. The king of all. Do you think that they'll understand? Do you think that they'll come to worship him? Will they accept him? Just look around us. It's not exactly a palace, is it? Noisy animals. Hey, out of all things for a bed. And that stench for everything that he is. Maybe this isn't enough. I find myself just watching him. Adoring him. I thought I knew what love was. Until he came along. My mother gave this blanket to me when I was just a little girl. A gift of love. I wore it out. When we were preparing for the trip to Bethlehem, I told Joseph I wanted to bring it. No, he said. We must pack light. I brought it anyway. The baby needs a blanket. Yes, they will come. The faithful. How could they not? He was born the king of angels. He will be great and mighty. He is all this and more. But when you go tell my young friend, be sure, be sure to tell them that he is an incredible gift of love. thought I knew what love was until he came along, and that's really true. Like for Jesus, the Messiah, we think we know what love is. God says he defined love. And, and, and today, as you're thinking of Christmas and you're starting to head into this season, I want to bring some new lights into this thing because it's all about his gift of love. It's an incredible gift of love. And the surprises of Christmas, the surprises that come into the elements of Christmas are not an accident. Because there's a surprise does not mean that uh, this wasn't planned. This was planned from the beginning of in the Garden of Eden when man fell. God had a plan. And, if, uh, and Galatians tells us over in chapter 4 that at just the right time, God enacted his plan. God says to the son, it's time to go. It's time to go, and he goes down. So we're going to look today at the greatest gift, the, the gift of his love. And I want you to see the nuggets of the love in the Christmas story this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of, Naz- uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Uh, now, that, that's the very first one. I believe we have that scripture there, Luke 1, 26. 
That's the very first thing there, Nazareth. That's the first surprise I want you to catch. Because of all the places that you would choose to, uh, to bring a king, of all the places that you would choose for an event of this magnitude, you would not have chosen Nazareth. Nazareth was a small place. It was smaller than Finleyville, if you can imagine that. Finleyville is Finleyville proper. If you go and research it, is about 70 acres. The downtown Finleyville area, 70 acres. All right, you're technically in Union Township out here. Nazareth was about 10 acres. There were about 150 people that lived in Nazareth. It was a poor town. It was not a, a town of a good reputation. Uh, that it was not a good town for spiritual reputation. It was not a good town for moral reputation. As a matter of fact, Nathaniel over in, in John chapter 1 verse 46 says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like they're trying to tell him that the, the, here's the Messiah, that he came from there. And his first question is, what do you mean? How can anything good come out of Nazareth? Look as we continue here and, and think with me. Like, would you pick that place? Would you pick an obscure place to, uh, to say that this was the place from where he will come from? Mary and Joseph, this is their town, this is their village, and he's going to come from Nazareth. Uh, Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house and uh, the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, for the Lord is with you. Now, now, if Nazareth is a surprise, then Mary is a shock. I mean, you go from you go from an obscure place to uh, to an obscure person, person that nobody knows. People that she she's not she's nobody special. I mean, now today we go back and we say, "Wow, look look at what God did with Mary." But at that point, she was just a teenager. She was just a young girl that was trying to live life. She's engaged to be married. She has all of her all, all of her. Plans, and she's thinking about what the wedding dress is going to look like. She's thinking about what the reception will be like. And all these things are on her mind. And all of a sudden, she gets a visit from the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel comes and, and gives her this, this incredible message. Uh, let, let me just continue to read that message to you here. Um, in verse, uh, verse 28, And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what, what was the angel saying? What was he saying to her? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For uh, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his king, and to his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary replies to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, uh, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, she's conceived a son in the sixth month, which uh, for her, whom she was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This was, this was just a young teenager. And, and God shows up and God says, I'm choosing you to do something special. And I want you to understand that she was not on the top ten list of the most popular people. 
We're, we're ending near, uh, we're coming to near, uh, to your end here, right? You're going to see Forbes magazine will pu- publish their list of the most powerful people. They'll publish the 70 most powerful people. And as you look and see the 70 most powerful people every year, you can go back and look at the 70 most powerful people, all right? Uh, they are typically people that have authority. You'll see uh, some, some rulers of nations are on that list, people that have authority and power. They, they power over people. Financial resources, some of the richest people in the world. Bill Gates is on, on the top ten list last year of the most powerful people in the world. Uh, you'll see people of influence. You'll see people that have power and how they've used it to help people. Mary had none of that. Mary had no resources. Mary had no, no popularity. Mary was a no-name. And as a matter of fact, Mary didn't even have any money. Check this out. In Luke 2:22, after the baby has been born, all right? Luke chapter 2, verse 22, after the baby has been born, they take the baby up to the temple. So they're in Bethlehem. They started in Nazareth. The census was taken. So they get on, get on the donkey and they ride over to, uh, to, to Bethlehem on donkey. And then after the baby's born, they go over just a short jaunt to Jerusalem where they dedicate the baby and then they, they come back home. Uh, they come back to Bethlehem. Verse 22, and when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, so if you go and you read in the Old Testament, this is what would happen after a firstborn son. They would take the baby to the temple and they would dedicate him to the Lord. Uh, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. So they came to the temple, offer him, offer sacrifice, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And yeah, we've read it. We're so familiar with the story. And we just kind of read over that because we don't understand that. Like when I dedicated my kids to the Lord, I didn't bring in two turtle doves. You know, did you? Um, you know, I've given a thank you offering like there's times that like I'm really thankful and I, I'll, I'll just say, God, I'm going to I want to give this to you. So I give an offering, but never two turtle doves, two young pigeons. If you go back and you read what was happening, you go back to Leviticus chapter 12. You'll read about the, the ceremony that they would do. And it was a, a time of purification. They would come in and what they what the law said, it actually said to bring in a lamb. Uh, to, to bring in a lamb, and they would sacrifice the lamb as an, uh, as an offering. And then it continues on, and in verse 8 it says, And if you can't afford a lamb, you can have two pigeons or two turtle doves. Jesus came into this earth. Now, catch this. Mary and Joseph didn't even have any money. They were not rich, wealthy people. As a matter of fact, they couldn't even fulfill the letter A of the law. They had to go to the recommendation for the poor. And, and, this is, and you're thinking, wait a minute, the, the God of the universe decides to come into this earth and, and, and he comes in and he's not, it's not well known. Nobody, people don't understand what's going on. You know, like when a baby's born in Buckingham Palace, the whole world knows about it, don't they? Like you hear these princes, you know, from the time those girls get pregnant in Buckingham Palace, it's it's like the media is covering it for nine months. And then on the day the baby's born, it's like everybody has to stop and take note of this baby. Jesus comes. Nobody 
He's not picking a Buckingham Palace. He's not picking some place that is popular, that is well-known. He he's picked this place of Nazareth. He's picked a lady that is just a humble person. She's just a young teenage girl. She's not expecting this. This is not her M.O. This, you know, when, when she was growing up, her parents didn't say, Now, Mary, when you're 16, you're going to have a baby, and you're going to tell everybody that it was God. I want you to think about that. 16-year-old girl has a baby. How'd that happen? Oh, it was God, really. You know, No. You're saying, okay, bye-bye. And that's what happened to Mary. Listen, this wasn't a widely received message when it happened. Like, people are like, what are you talking about? Like, virgins don't have babies. Come on, that's Joseph, right? That's got to be Joe. No. They, they hadn't had relationships. They, it was, it, this was a virgin birth. And so this miracle happens, but it's like it's hard. It's like it's not the way you would plan it. Like, why would God choose this, this Mary? And, and Mary responds so powerfully to, to all this, and she, she's just humble. Um, over in Luke chapter 2, verse 5, you see that uh, they made their way on the census, all right? So the census, they lived in Nazareth, and they have to get on a donkey here. Uh, they made their way to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, Joseph, took Mary, who was with child. He took his wife on this journey, and uh, if, if you look on the map, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So there was a census that was to be taken, and they had to go back to their hometown. So Joseph has to take Mary back on a 70-mile journey. She is in the last trimester. She is in the final days getting ready to have this baby. And Joseph says, come on, honey, we have to go. 70 miles on a donkey. I I, I want you to consider what was really going on here. Uh, You know, whenever a woman travels today and she's pregnant in that third trimester, she typically doesn't go very far. Like, you're not supposed to really fly even, right? Uh, Did you know if you go on and you look at the airlines, they have a policy if you fly in the third trimester? They want a doctor's excuse. I don't know if it's an excuse, so I guess that's maybe not the right word. They want doctor's permission for you to ride that plane, stating that you're not going to have that baby in the next 72 hours. Isn't that cool? Like, I'd like to be the doctor <laughs> making that promise, right? Like, you know, they, they, have, they, have to, they have to, like, give you documentation about this. That, that, listen, this lady is safe, and she's not in the, in the zone to have this baby. And, and, uh, and you go and you read. I, I read one website giving moms advice about how to travel. Let me give you some advice if you're an, uh, a, a, an expectant mother in traveling. This is what some of the websites say. Reduce stress by scheduling more time for the trip than normal. Bring your sense of humor. Raging hormones may leave you ready to scream or cry. Instead, try to relax. I'm glad those websites weren't around when we were having kids. Eat smart. Missing meals can leave your baby feeling hungry or you feeling faint. Pack healthy snacks like fruit, nuts, or granola bars. Make frequent stops. You will never be amazed at how many times you will need to go to the bathroom in your final trimester. Stay comfortable every 90 minutes. Get up and move about. Take plenty of bottled water and drink it. Mary's on a donkey. 70 miles. It's like four or five days on a donkey. Maybe more. She's taking this journey. I want you women out there that have had a baby. 
to think about that. I want you to think about the last week of your pregnancy walking up the church steps. Y'all own 70 miles on a donkey, right? That's like unbelievable. And yet, God, you're like, like God, why? You didn't have an entourage. You didn't like, you didn't, you didn't even have like this, this nice. He takes them and he puts them in the back. It's humble. Like, man, I'd, I'd want, I, I, I would want something more, wouldn't you? Like, if you were Mary, if you're Joseph, wouldn't you be saying, like, God, you didn't even make reservations at the inn? Come on. You know, it's like, what's going on here? And so as you start to look at this, the way that he came was a surprise. But the gift was not a surprise. It was the greatest gift of love. Look, as we continue, verse 6, Luke 2, 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her first firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so, so we missed the surprise. You know, we are so familiar with this story that we missed the surprise. Like, like we forget how, how absurd this was. This was like, you know, it looks so good on the Norman Rockwell cards, doesn't it? The Christmas cards that you buy, they have halos all over these people. Now, let's put up our title slide here, The Way in the Manger. Man, this, this is beautiful, isn't that? That is absolutely gorgeous. And there's light, and they're staring at the baby. That's not the way it happened. You know, you, you, have this, you have this manger scene like we have in the foyer, and everybody's perfect. You know? And you go home and you light candles around it, cinnamon spice. Sugar latte, I don't know, all this good, you know. How about, how, what's that one candle? I think I saw a candle out there that said nativity scent. What, what is that? You know? <sighs> I was reading, you know, the, the scents that were in that manger were not sugar and spice and everything nice. They were like mandals. This is a real thing, folks. I researched it. Candles for men. They're called mandals. You go on Amazon, you can buy a mandal. Now, don't anybody buy me one, all right? But listen, you can buy a mandal. And you know what a mandal is? It's auto shop scent. Bass fish scent. Ooh, yeah, you know. Let's see here. I wrote down another one that I saw on there. Uh, bacon. Bacon scent. Now, that's kind of a manly thing, you know. Rawr. Let me tell you, if you want to do it upright, you've got to get a mandal and light it by that manger that says, you know, dirty donkey scent, camel scent, shepherd sweat. You know, I mean, you, you just got, you got to think about this, okay? Because this is what it was like. Jesus came. He's God. He created the very earth. And in this very creation of earth, He leaves heaven to become one of the created. And he doesn't go to Buckingham Palace. He goes to the lowliest. And he goes to the back alley in a little town of Bethlehem. And he chooses Mary, a teenage girl, doesn't have any money, doesn't have any prestige, doesn't have anything. And he chooses this girl from this town of Nazareth that had such a poor reputation in that town. And he says, I'm going to do my work 
I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to show you that I am God. And I'm going to prove to you my love. And so his love that he shows us. There's three thoughts here this morning of his love. I want you to catch this. Number one, Jesus understands more than you think. The gift of his love is so magnanimous. He understands you more than you think. He wanted to make a statement by coming as a human and not just any human. He came as an infant, as a baby, and he goes to the lowest. He goes to the poorest, and he goes to where there's no cream of anything. You wouldn't pick that place. Jesus did not exempt himself from problems. You know, if you look at the Christmas story, you read it in Luke chapter 1 and 2. You read over in Matthew. You read the accounts. You, you just see problem after problem after problem. They're engaged to be married. Now this virgin's going to give birth. Now they've got to go and they've got to take a 70-mile donkey ride. Then they're going to go over, over there. The baby's born. They don't have enough money to make the good sacrifice in the, in the temple. Uh, Herod is threatened. He hears about the king. He puts out an edict to kill the the the, uh, the new new male children and, and it's like whoa what is what's going on here it looks like problem after problem after problem from day one Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head like his first night on earth as a human like born out of his mother's womb he's laying with the animals and so what God did was he he says listen I'm going to show you who I am I am going to you know you you think you need a break listen God lived that life. He lived that life where you think you need a break. He needs that. He grew up understanding that. This was the God of the universe, and he didn't, didn't have any money. Didn't have any comforts. I love what Hebrews 4.14 says. Since, since then we had a high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So it says, listen, since Jesus came from heaven to earth. Verse 15, uh, Jesus, our, our high priest. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He says that Jesus is not unable to sympathize with your weakness. Like, he he knows all the problems you're facing. He knows the financial crisis. He knows the relationship crisis. He knows your identity crisis. He knows everything that has got you baffled. He knows the census that's taken. He knows the 70-mile donkey journey in your life. You place all the obstacles in saying, can I just get a break? He knows it, and he sympathizes with it. And this is very important for us to understand because God is not a God who is absent. He is not a God who is ruling from a distance. That's why his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. He understands, he cares. Look what he says here. But everyone who, um, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen, he understands every weakness that you're going to go through. He understands your weakness with temptation. And Jesus lived, he came, he lived a perfect life. Never once had to sin. Never once did anything wrong. His mom raised a perfect child. Incredible. Not because she was such a good mom, but because he was God. He's going to help us. He's going to help you through that pain. And look what he says. Here's how he helps. Verse 16. So therefore let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When do you need time of help in your weakness? 
When do I need time to help in my weakness? Whether it's a temptation, to say no to a temptation, or, to, or, or just facing the, the tough things of life. We've got to come back to Jesus and understand that he sympathizes, he empathizes, he understands where you are living. That is so powerful. God just didn't come to this earth and make a sacrifice. He understands your pain. He understands your life. Secondly, Jesus cares more than you know. You can determine a person's love by, based upon how much they're willing to sacrifice. You will determine a person's love by based upon how much they're willing to sacrifice. Jesus, when he's born, he doesn't sacrifice as little as possible. He sacrifices as much as possible. He doesn't come to Buckingham Palace. He goes to the lowest stable and the dirtiest little place he can find he understands he cares more uh, and with that i want you to catch this what's he saying philippians 2 philippians 2 5 you must have the same attitude that christ had though he was god he did not think of equality with god as something to be uh, to cling to so he didn't come to earth and, and cling to all the privileges of being god he became human but he was still god Verse 7, instead he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. When God became flesh, look at this, he appeared in human form. He didn't claim privilege. You know, it's kind of like Undercover Boss. Anybody ever watch that show, Undercover Boss? You see the CEO of a big organization, he goes out. I think I saw the guy on In-N-Out Burger or whatever, you know, and he goes in there and he's got the headset on. He can't even operate the cash register. He's the CEO of the big company, but he has no clue how to, how, how to make some of those things happen. And he learned Jesus was way more than the undercover boss. This was God who came to earth, and yet John tells us he revealed himself. He wasn't undercover. He revealed himself, but yet he understands. He's caught it. He's caught. He understands your pain. He set the example of the humble life that God called us to give, and he set a statement of how far he's willing for us to go. I heard a story one time of a, of a, of a family. They were having, having dinner, and uh, the, the wife went out to get two glasses of pop, one for the husband, one for her. And, uh, and he, no, he noticed that the one can had been opened. And you know when a can of pop's been open for a while? It goes flat. It goes kind of stale. You don't want to drink that one. And he noticed she picked that up. And started pouring it into glass. And he's thinking, I know what glass I'm getting, right? She cracks the next one open, pours it in. She comes in and sits down and gives him the good glass. That's what sacrifice is. See, that's what Jesus did for us. He said, listen, I've come that you might have life. I have come. I've made the sacrifice. I, I, I know where you're at, and I, I care more than you understand. And, and lastly this morning, Jesus can do more than you realize. Jesus can do more than you realize. Why did he choose Nazareth? Why did he choose Mary? Why did he choose Joseph? Why the stable? Why the smell? Why all this? Because he's powerful. Because he's God. And because he can do it. And he displayed his power. And this little baby comes and lives a perfect life. 
Mary responds in humility. Mary, it's so powerful. If you go and read over the, the Magnificent, as it's known as, in, in Luke chapter 1, Mary goes and tells her cousin Elizabeth, and, and, and Mary's just so happy. But Mary responds instead of with pride. She says, oh, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She lifts him up. She's humble. And, and, and this is what God's called us to do, to, to recognize that going to God daily for help is what we need. God's called us. We've got to come back daily. We've got to be humble. Lord, I am your servant. That's what Mary did. And look what God did. It was an act of God. It was not an act of Mary. Mary gets no credit. It is God who gets the credit. God said, listen, I am going to choose. And I'm choosing this person in this town. And it's so humble. And that's who God loves to work with. You know what God is so powerful at? Taking your weakness and revealing his power. That's what I want in my life. What's the weakness that you're struggling with today? Is it, what's your 70-mile journey on a donkey? What is it that you're saying, man, I just, I'm just really struggling with, and I, I, I have this pain, and I'm overwhelmed. Can you catch this morning, by the surprises of Christmas, how much God loves you, and how much He has given you this gift? Because He could have just come to Buckingham Palace, and He could have done it any way that He wanted, but He chose to display humility and the greatest and be able to identify with every one of us. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I invite you to Jesus. If you've not opened your heart to Jesus, today's the day. The Scripture says, Behold, now is the time. Today is the day. And I want to invite you to do that, just to call on Him and just pray something like this to Him. Dear Jesus, I need you. You understand me. You know me. You love me. And I need you. I invite you into my heart right here, right now. You died on the cross. You came back to life again. I place my trust in you right now. And for others in this room this morning, what's some areas that you're just really struggling with. There's a lot of struggles, I know. I deal with them myself. There's a lot of pain. But God is not... He is not not working. He, he, his plan is rolling. He understands you more than you can think. He loves you more than you'll ever know. Will you just identify with Him today? Will you come back to Him and ask Him for that power? Like, come and rely on Him and say, God, I need Your strength today. Lord, be with each person as they respond to You now and for the days to come. God, we ask for Your blessing upon this season as we focus in on the gift of love that You've given to us. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Would you greet a few people around you? God bless you. You are dismissed.